This episode contains graphic information and violence against children and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three gals like to sit around We're and what? talk about true crime. <laughs> and drink coffee. While we choke and, on. And choke Hello, on. everybody. This is, this is another Monday that we're here. We're, we're doing it. We're one, doing what it. a Monday it is. What a Monday. <laughs> oh, what a Monday. What a, mon- what a um, Monday. This has been so much fun. We're still, like, we get all these new listeners still all the time, which is great. And people are starting to reach out to us on our Instagram and yeah. on our uh, emails, emails yeah. and all that stuff. Keep doing that. Tell yeah. us stories. Like, um, we're happy to look people up that you recommend. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. love hearing from you. Yeah. We love it. Just reach out and say hi. Let Just us say know hi. you're out there. That's fun, too. I want to say hi to somebody. I want to say hi to Illy. Illy! <gasps> hi, Illy! Hi, Illy! Illy. So I'm going to give her a shout-out. She's a performer in Vegas, and her name is Illy Royale with Cheese, and she's a big fan, and she's awesome, and she's an incredible burlesque performer. Yeah. Yes. She's awesome. Go she's follow her right awesome. now. Go follow her. Yeah. And then Royale tip her. Cheese. And then tip her. <laughs> tip her. <laughs> yeah, she's a sweetheart. Um, she's super sweet. Super sweet. Great yeah. fan. Um, speaking of great fans, that's, I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow, where is she going? <laughs> speaking of great fans, I'm a fan of Nicole telling us me. stories about murder. Me too. Me. I'm excited to tell you one. So, as we get our coffees ready for this one, today, this one comes from our wonderful Canadian friend, Tim. Hey. Tim, Tim, Tim. 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 Yes. Tim. This so this fellow I'm about to talk about is truly Canadian's boogeyman. Ladies and beans, have you ever heard of Clifford Olson? I've heard of Clifford the Big Red Dog. Not the same. <laughs> then no. Clifford the Big Red Murderer. Well, he uh, was known as the Beast of British Columbia. Mm. It's kind of a dope name. Yeah. <laughs> <It's pretty> dope. <laughs> yeah, but before I get into all the details of this case, I just want to reiterate that this case involves children and teenagers. So if you need to skip ahead or save this episode for another day, we, as always, completely understand and support you and your mental health. Always, always, always do what is best for you and your mental health. Mm-hmm. And that may change day to day. And that's okay. Listen to you. Mm-hmm. So, with all that, here we go. This case does have some elements that mirror our approaching time of year. First of all, Clifford was born on January 1st, 1940. Happy New Year! Uh, So here's a horrible murderer about to be molded. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) He spent most of his young and adult life in trouble with the cappers. He was a major bully in school, and the record stated that he was arrested 94 separate times. The reasons Whoa. varied. I Show know. off. Show off. Yeah. 90. Couldn't make it 100. Yeah. Loser. Uh, <laughs> no. Gotta bump up those numbers. Oh Gotta run them off. So they varied from simple fraud to armed robbery and even sexual assault between 1957 and 1981 when he was finally arrested for the last time. Um, he was the oldest son to Clifford Sr. and Leona Olson. 
The family lived in a small home near the Pacific National Exhibition Grounds. His father was a milkman, literally. He delivered milk with a horse-drawn carriage. Cool. Not carriage, a cart. Ah. <laughs> if you look at carriage. I mean, close enough. Yeah. Wait, but uh, he, okay. he literally delivered milk with a horse-drawn cart. I mean, like, that I buy. Yeah. It's the, but he wasn't like, hey, hey, you're the milkman's son. Yeah, Like, yeah. no, really, I you're am. the literally. milkman's yeah. son. Literally yeah. the milkman's yeah. son. This isn't a scandal. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. My life. Yeah. <laughs> but later, he did move into the construction side of things, and he became an apartment building manager. Mm. Um, His mother also worked. She was a housekeeper. And later on, the family moved to the suburb of Richmond. Um, It was after the war, and this area was known for being a housing scheme for returning veterans. So Clifford was short, sort of stocky kid, and his father later remembered that, quote, he was always getting into fights and getting beat up. One day he said, Dad, I'm going to learn to be a boxer. And as soon as he did, he began making the rounds of the boys who had beaten him up and started evening the score. Maybe that's his trouble. The chip on his shoulder. <laughs> Maybe, Dad. He just went Dad. back around and beat Maybe, the He did. <laughs> he went back around and beat up all the boys that beat him up once he learned how to box. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, what, are you going to learn a skill and not I'll use it? it? Right? <laughs> Stupid. I guess. I don't know. That's like, yeah, that's so funny because that is like... An exact reason why you'd learn how to kick ass is to, like, kick the ass. Kick your ass now. (laughs) Ha ha! So at 10, he was skipping class and left school completely after 8th grade. He decided to go into crime full time. A little, roughly 14-year-old criminal. He was 17 years old when he was first arrested. It was July 19th, 1957. Over a course of about 24 years, he was convicted of... Amanda, here's a list for you. It's not like the last one oh I gave God. you. Oh, my God. It's not as bad. Obstructing justice, possession of stolen property, possession of firearms, forgery, false pretenses, fraud, parole violation, impaired driving, theft, breaking and entering, armed robbery, escape from custody, rape, gross indecency, buggery. Do you guys know what buggery is? No. Tell me. Butt sex. Yeah! <laughs> I was like, what does this word mean? Oh. So there's a new one for you. Some British slang, I think, or something. Ah, um, okay. And first degree murder. So that's the list. He escaped from jail, though, on more than one occasion. Actually, about seven separate occasions. So let's talk about him. So in 1965, he was on the front page of the Vancouver Sun. It was a big write-up about how they were looking for him. He was serving three and a half years for the B&E, and he'd fled three guards who were taking him to the hospital for being sick. But he was quite the actor. He was totally faking his sickness. I mean, I did it to get out of school sometimes, but never jail. (laughs) Just jail. Uh, It took about a week for them to find him. Over a dozen officers searched for him, and there was a near miss at one point. One night, he slept under this bridge in New Westminster. Finally, in Blaine, Washington, he was sniffed out by Tiger, the police dog. Clifford was straddling the border and harassing two teenagers with a gun when the border patrol called for help. Four different police forces worked together to catch him. He was 25 at the time. A year before this escape, there was another one. Not as exciting, though. He was just found by another police dog named Rit- Ritley. Ritley? R-I-N-T-Y. Ritley. Ritley? Ritley? That is hard to say. Ritley. Is it easier to say with a British accent? Wait, they're not British. Well, they're Canadian. Canada. Canada, eh? Tim would know. 
Clifford, during his multiple run-ins with prison, was freed five times under mandatory supervision in the 1970s, but his tendency to cause trouble would land him back in the big house each time. He was uh, even quite a bully in prison. Known as a rapist and informer, he, uh, quote, got bored of raping and he would try his hand at informing, said an article on Murderpedia.com. Mm. He once got an inmate to write out a confession to a rape and murder of a nine-year-old girl. He was then brought in to that trial by the prosecution and the written out confession letters were used to convict that inmate by the name of Gary Marcox. While he was out on the streets, he was what was called a police stool pigeon. Do you guys know what that means? No. <laughs> like, like he would tell on people? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So he was a police informer, a decoy. I guess in like the late 19th century, a pigeon attached to a stool was used as a decoy. So now that's what they call informers. Okay. Like a scarecrow. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's very funny. funny. Sure. <laughs> I read that and I was like, what is this? this is Stool a stool pigeon, <laughs> as opposed to, uh, so he was released in January 1980 and picked up right where he left off, a life of crime. He moved in with the mother of his child because, oh yes, he did in fact reproduce, he had a son. This was all during the horrid events of 1980 to 1981. He met Joan Hale a few months after his release and they had a son, Stephen, in April 1981. They were married a month later. Oh, and uh, he was murdering children the whole time, too. Even three days after the wedding ceremony. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Clifford Olson Honeymoon, once said... baby. Honeymoon? Oh, Is this no. what I have to look forward to? Oh, yeah. God. Murdering children. Please don't. Yikes. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so Clifford once said, if I gave a shit about the parents, I wouldn't have killed the kids. And with that, ladies and beans, <laughs> hold your mugs close, because here come the murders. <laughs> So Clifford was known as the rent-a-car killer, as well as the beast of British Columbia or whatever. He would rent a new car for each murder. He watched kitty porn and truly spent more time behind bars in his life than free. Yet he was still able to leave a horrible mark and robbed so many children of their futures. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So Clifford's first victim was found on Christmas Day. Her name was Christine Weller, and she was only 12 years old. She was abducted from her home in Vancouver in a suburb of Surrey in November 1980. Clifford drove her to an area in Richmond and stabbed her to death. She had 10 stab wounds in her chest and abdomen and two cuts on her neck. The right ventricle of her heart was damaged as well as her liver. She was mutilated and left in the woods just south of town. Yep. On August 16... 16- 10 times? 10 times. A 12-year-old. A 12-year-old little girl. It's like uh, overkill on this little girl. It's yeah. Awful. Awful. <sighs> okay, so on April 16th in Surrey, um, Colleen Dagnalt vanished. She was 13 years old. She was a shy girl who really didn't talk to anybody. She was just five feet tall with long brown hair. And then a week after Colleen went missing, Darren Johnsrud was kidnapped on April 22nd, 1981. He was 16 years old and was at a Vancouver shopping mall. He had only been in Vancouver for two days. Jesus. Just was in Vancouver. And his shattered skull was found on May 2nd. It's awful. The wedding took place on May 15th, 1981. And only days after, on May 19th, Sandra Wolfsteiner vanished. She was 16 years old. She'd been hitchhiking through Langley. Uh, Her boyfriend's mother saw her get into a car with a strange man, but didn't do anything at the time because it wasn't super uncommon to hitchhike right Right. uh clifford took her to an area just off of chilliwack lake road 
There in the bush, he attacked and killed her with blunt force to the head. 13-year-old Ada Court went missing on June 21st. She was in Coquitlam, which I talked about in one mm-hmm. another episode, Coquitlam, because Tim taught me how to say that. Yep. <laughs> uh, she didn't come home from babysitting at her brother and sister-in-law's apartment. Clifford also lived in that same apartment complex. Mm-hmm. It was the same one that his father and mother worked at. That morning, Ada had left to go catch a bus to visit her boyfriend, and she was never officially seen again. There was a neighbor who thought he saw Clifford getting rid of her body. So, there's that. Yeesh. I know. Simon Partington was nine years old. His disappearance was a turning point in the case of the missing Lower Midland children. He was four foot two and seemed too young to be looked at as a runaway. On July 2nd, around 10.30 a.m., he got on his bike after breakfast, headed to a friend's house, and he vanished only a few blocks from where Christina was, which was Clifford's first victim. Uh, Simon was not seen alive again. Clifford picked him up in his car, gave him a couple of beers, and strangled him to death. The last project that Simon worked on in school was a story called The Hungry Tiger and the Gullible Duck. Mm. I know. Like, really sad foreshadowing. Um, On July 9th, Judy Kozma was 14 years old when she vanished. Her mutilated body was found on July 25th. Clifford had seen her leaving a phone booth in front of the Royal Columbian Hospital. He waved, and the two seemed to know each other, according to Randy Ludlow, who was there with Clifford. She smiled and approached the car. She was on her way to see a friend and apply for a second job. She knew Clifford from the interactions at the McDonald's she worked at part-time. Clifford offered her a ride, and she took it. It was faster than the bus, after all. During the drive, Clifford offered the two kids beer, which he seemed to always have in the car. <laughs> they got to the des- I know, right? They got to the destination way early, so they killed time. Randy remembered Clifford handing him a big wad of cash at one point just to show off to Judy. Yeah. Then he took it right back to go buy some alcohol. It was just like, hey, Randy, here's a big wad of cash. Do you Did you see that, Judy? Do you want to hold it? Hold it for a second. You want to hold it? All right, give it back to me. I'm going to go buy alcohol. Uh, did you see that? It's like flexing your muscles. Yeah, hold this money, Did kid. you see that? Um, so he went to go buy more alcohol with that wad of cash. When they got back to the car, Judy now sat up front, and Clifford offered her a job cleaning windows. Randy was told to mix the drinks, and Clifford was rather pushy with Judy to keep drinking. They were drinking rum and coke, and Randy was sly and gave Judy one without rum. But they both acted like rum was in it. They're like, oh, Judy even was like, oh, this drink is really strong. Um, Just so that Clifford thought that it was full of alcohol. He even, I think, Randy said that he like winked at Randy. Like, you did a good kid. Good job for putting a lot of alcohol in there. Jesus. Yeah. So moments later, Clifford gave her these green pills, claiming that they would help her not get so drunk. And she took them. There was still time before her interview, but it was cutting a bit close now, so the trio went to Clifford's apartment complex. The kids stayed in the car while Clifford went inside. Randy said that was when he really saw how afraid Judy was becoming. He didn't think anything of it, though, just thought she was younger than he was, and she'd been drinking, and she was worried about missing her job interview because it was starting to get close. She started crying at one point, and he wiped away her tears. Once Clifford returned to the car, though, she acted totally normal, like nothing was wrong at all. Clifford dropped Randy off first and then left to take Judy to her job interview. But she never made it. Mm. Clifford murdered her and then went on vacation with his family. Whoa! Yep. 
They made a trip to the States, Knott's Berry Farm in California until July 21st. Oh, I hate that place, by the way. <laughs> I've never been there. Don't go. In California? <laughs> yeah. I've been to Knott's Scary Farm. Ugh, no, it's just full of angsty preteens who yeah. all have to be louder and weirder than the next, and I can't oh, do it. No. That was... So he must have really liked it, because Clifford likes the children. Oh, that's yeah. true. That'd be uh, right up his alley. It was a lot of, yeah, preteens and teenagers yeah, unsupervised nah. just doing their that best. That was just... That was birth control to me. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa, oh, y'all, you guys kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. They're not very nice. No. On Halloween time, they try to scare you, and I'm like, you're not even getting paid. Uh-huh. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. You <laughs> Give me away free, free labor. Free labor. Weird. Stupid teens don't even know to get the money yeah, first. God. <laughs> don't scare other people. You're not even getting paid to do it. Those teenagers. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, anyways, so they went to Knott's Berry Farm until the 21st of July, and that was just a few days before her body was found. Police were already on his tail, though. On July 15th, he became a suspect in these murders and disappearances. They were even watching him from time to time, but they never seemed to be looking at the right moment. Mm-mm. He was still able to take more young lives before his final arrest. Raymond King was 15 years old, on July 23rd, he vanished from New Westminster. He was deemed a runaway until his body was discovered two weeks later. His father knew he never would have ran away. It was summertime. He was excited to be looking for a new, real job. He'd even made a pattern of going to the Canadian Manpower Youth Employment Center. He was there so often that the staff knew him really well. He would chain his bike up in the back around the building, and he was ready to jump into any job that he could. And it was his drive to work that unfortunately seemed to trick him into trusting the wrong person, Clifford. Clifford had offered Raymond work that day. Clifford picked him up and they drove along a familiar road. They headed towards a popular camping ground. They took a backcountry road that led to the BC Forest Service campground by Alpine Lake. There, Clifford attacked Raymond, hitting him in the head with rocks until he died. He dumped the boy's body off a steep hillside trail. The boy's bike being left behind, though, left a clue that he probably didn't run away. It seemed strange that he would leave and not leave on or at least take his bike. Clifford had uh, rented a car that day and logged over 403 kilometers, which is roughly 250 miles. I had to look it up. Yeah. Uh, he rented cars many times before he would attack victims, and he often went to Metro Rental. There was a young female clerk he liked and really only went on the days that she was working. She recalled, He offered me a job shampooing carpets in his apartment complex he said he owned at Longheed Mall. He only came in to get a car on the days that he knew I worked. The job he offered me was $16.60 an hour, more than I get here, and I was supposed to let him know. Thank God I never did. Clifford was always hunting for his next victim. July 25th, Sigrun Arnd, only 18 years old, was kidnapped and murdered. She was visiting from Germany. She had been seen in a pub in Coquitlam with Clifford, and later she was seen with Clifford by a couple that was on a passenger train. The train passed by. They'd seen her kind of like crouching down with this man, and he was later identified as Clifford. Mm. He did confess to her murder, and it was only then that she was actually added to the murder list. Until that moment, she was not one of the victims tied to him. Her parents were informed of her death long distance. Her mother told the Vancouver Sun, It was on August 28th when the phone rang. My sister in Vernon was on the line and told me that the police were there and she was now going to translate a very sad message. The police found a dead girl who might be her. She was an intelligent and suspicious girl and we discussed frequently as she would never get into a stranger's car, not to mention that she would never hitchhike. 
but obviously in Canada she did. And the girl had been hitchhiking for rides when she went missing. Her body that could only be identified using dental records was mm -hmm. found in Richmond, only partially buried in a trench. It was 400 yards from where Simon ended up being found the day before. Back in the same complex where Christina had lived, Terry Carson disappeared. She was only 15 years old. On July 27, 1981, she was last seen alive before she left the house on a Monday morning. She was just over five feet tall, and when Clifford approached her offering her a ride, she trusted the monster. He even offered her a drink, which was laced. She took it unknowing what would happen next. She was ready to celebrate finding her first real job and felt like she was really starting the summer off right. Clifford drove them to the rural area into the forest like he did so many times with the others, and he strangled her to death. Then he burnt her clothes and threw her purse and shoes into the river. Her body was found with many others in Lake Weaver. July 30th, Louise Chartrand, 17 years old, was hitchhiking and disappeared at Maple Ridge. Clifford had even met with the police and his lawyer on that day because, as I said before, he was already a person of interest in these cases. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. He spotted Louise and she'd become a target instantly. It was thought that she was hitchhiking to a late night waitressing shift. She went most of the journey with a different man, and it wasn't until she was basically at the restaurant that Clifford saw her. She had stopped by a store to get cigarettes, only 10 minutes from her job. Somehow, Clifford got her into his car, drugged her, probably with one of his drinks, and drove them towards Whistler. He even made a stop to pick up a confiscated gun at the <laughs> Squamish RCMP detachment, but was turned away because the officer in charge of that material was not available. She was in the car, and they had no idea. She was <gasps> drugged in the car. Whoa. He went to the station, and she was in the car. Stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh he God. went to go pick up this gun with her drugged in the car, left her in the car, or whatever, however the process is, went to go get this gun, was turned away because the officer wasn't there. But she's literally in the car. Oh my God. Yep, in the car. I have no words. Yep. So he headed towards Killer Highway, as the locals called it, because of the fatal crashes that happened when it snows. Um, he arrived at the ski resort and proceeded to bludgeon her skull with a hammer and buried her in a shallow grave when he was finished. Her co-workers got worried when she didn't show up for work, so they checked in with her family. One of her sisters called the RCMP detachment the next morning, reporting her missing. Clifford picked up two female hitchhikers a few days later, and it was then that these officers that had been following him leaped into action. He was arrested, and the girls were not harmed. Yeah. Yeah. The officers searched the van, and an address book belonging to Judy was in there. And he was officially charged with her murder six days later. Now things are about to get strange. Clifford was a monster of opportunity. He was always looking for the next victim, and he even found a way to make money off of his victims. He started making deals with the prosecution. He would reveal information about each victim if they paid a fee. What? The money would go to his wife and child. And the fee? $10,000 per victim. Whoa! That fee bought you information on four known murders and directions to six bodies. The deal was made and he did just as he said he would do. The information was given and the money was paid. On July 11th, 1982, he pleaded guilty to 11 counts of murder and was sentenced to 11 concurrent life terms. What a way to celebrate your belated birthday. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> January 1st was his birthday. Uh, some say he was the Charles Manson of Canada. He would provoke controversy in the media and would bid for early parole in August 1997. 
He said he had earned $1.3 million for three unpublished books and a bunch of videos. And the kicker, he said that the money would be put into a trust for the victim's families if he was released. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How about fuck you? Yeah. Oh. Fuck you. No. Funny. <gasps> Cute. No. Cute. No. Yeah. He was also claiming that he had actually committed 143 murders, both in the States and Canada. The Crown prosecutor, Joe Bellows, said that Clifford's claims were nothing but fantastic lies. He was denied early parole. On July 23rd, 1997, he spoke to the jury about his denied early parole. He was petitioning again for parole and said, Do I look like some kind of raving lunatic? The jurors took less than 15 minutes to come back and reject his parole yeah. bid. He died in October 2011. He was 71 years old. It was reported on September 21st, 2011, that he had been dying of cancer. Raymond's father spoke about Clifford's death. He said, it's over. That's all I can say about it. Time to get on with the business of living. For 30 years, I haven't really had a chance to heal some wounds because of him. Now it's onward and upwards. Clifford Robert Olson was truly the boogeyman. He befriended each of his victims, getting them to trust him and getting them into his car. He gave them alcohol, he drugged them, and he stole the lives of children. And my ladies and beans, that is the beast of British Columbia, Clifford Robert Olson. Hey, thanks, Tim. Any final sips? Clifford the Big Red Asshole. Oh! Hey, there it is. There it is. There it is. Um, <clears throat> God damn it. So, kids' brains aren't fully developed until they're about 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the last part of your brain that develops is the frontal part, which is where all of your, like, uh, decision-making and risk-taking and all that stuff is. Uh, so, leave fucking kids alone they're not even fully developed yet like it's so stupid mm-hmm. i i don't understand like kids aren't sexy like they're mm-hmm. they're dumb by by design like they're just, <laughs> just stupid like leave them alone leave kids alone i like i just i don't understand that like that um it's because of that that they are easy victims right mm-hmm. like but god damn it it's so stupid that's yeah. literally that was like my note i wrote down yeah was like Ah, final sip. What the hell? Leave kids alone. That you went, you literally were looking after the weakest prey you could find, you stupid asshole. Like, you, God, you, garbage human to the max. Like, I just, people who prey on the weak, prey on children, prey on people who are good hearted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a jackass. Was he, um, assault, like, was there any evidence of, like, rape or anything, too? Because my brain's just like, we just took the kids and killed them? That's what what I, I kept saying, what's, like, what's the, what's the, what's the motive? What's the payoff? Yeah, And, like, was it always a different kind of killing? And it was always a different, like... I was like, it seemed like it was always the same location and it was of opportunity. So yeah. he strangled them sometimes, he hit them with rocks. Yeah. I think strangling happened a lot of mm. the time. Hmm. It's just what he had. Why? I just yeah. want, like, why? This particular case makes me ask why yeah. Yeah. more than usual. They weren't even doing anything. They were just around and you're like, all right, cool. This is <laughs> just going to kill this one. Senseless. Yeah. God. You know, it's really sad. So my final sip is this. 
So, times may seem more advanced now, but that almost makes things more dangerous. Be a good example for kids you come in contact with. If you are a parent, an older sibling, a younger sibling, a nanny, a friend, whatever you are, you play a key role in the lives of the people you come in contact with. Be a good example. If you see something bad or get a bad feeling, speak up. Teach kids to speak up, letting them know it is okay to make a scene if something is wrong. Don't get into cars with strangers or wander off to help a nice looking human with an injured arm. It's important to be kind, but it's more important to be safe. There is a balance that can be taught. There are good people out there that need help, but there are also people who prey on those of us who do help others. It's okay to be cautious. It's okay to ask questions or get help. If you aren't actually in danger, that person will be cool and understand. If they freak out at you and try to make you feel bad, they are in the wrong. It's a red flag. Absolutely yeah. mm -hmm. a red flag. At the same time, if you do trust someone or help someone who ends up being one of those bad seeds, it is not your fault. We take risks every day and sometimes we get it wrong and it's not our fault for choosing to be kind. I will always be kind and suspicious. It's like what we said a couple episodes ago. Help others, but make sure that you are safe first. It's like the airplane. You are supposed to put your mask on first before helping others. You still help others, but you can't help others if you yourself are in danger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You've been having some good sips, girl. Oh, easy. <laughs> and yeah, it looks like we have like one percent, like less than one percent of our of our listenership. Um is in the 0 to 17 or 18 to 22 range of oh. age range. So, like, be careful out there, kiddos. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to, like, have experiences and go do things, absolutely. But mm -hmm. always just, you know, keep a cautious ear to the ground or yeah. keep one eye open. Just remember, yeah, like, that. that's, uh, there was a recent thing on Netflix, and it was the, that series Explained, and they just came out with a new season on The Mind. Mm -hmm. And one of the episodes is about teenagers, uh, like brains, like their, how their brains work and all that stuff and just the development and how our brains develop and stuff. And it was very interesting and a lot of stuff that like we already kind of know about like how our bodies feel during that time. But mm -hmm. like also just knowing that like fundamentally your brain is telling, it doesn't tell you right away that something's not right or like, mm -hmm. you know, dangerous, you know, so, but if you're ever in a dangerous situation, just get out of there, man. Like, like. If you feel it, you can go. Like, like, mm -hmm. like Nicole said, a, a an actual like patient, cool adult will be like, okay, like, sorry, you didn't. Good, I'm glad that you were protecting yourself by screaming yes. when right. somebody grabbed you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. You, it's 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 okay to do that. You're your best advocate. Yeah, and I think about Judy. You know, when he when Clifford left the car, she showed how scared she really was mm -hmm. with Randy in the car. And Randy didn't think anything of it because he's also a kid, you know. He's yeah. not—he wasn't much older than she was, and she started crying. And then when Clifford came back, she acted like everything was fine. Yeah. Because she was too afraid and didn't know what to do, she just acted like everything's fine mm. and hoping that she could just get out. But just leave. Just get yourself, remove yourself from the situation. And again, if the adult or whoever you're with is actually cool and didn't mean to like make you feel weird, they're not going to make you feel weird about it. They're going to apologize mm -hmm. and, and that'll be that. Yeah. But if they make you feel bad or make you feel guilty about it, they are wrong, mm -hmm. not you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Beans. <laughs> oh, I just love all of, all of our Mondays, all of our things. It's so much fun. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us again on your Monday or whatever day you choose to listen to the episode. Um, please enjoy some extra coffee if that so suits you today because mm. 
I know I will have so many extra cups of coffee. Mm. Um, and we look forward to having you again with us on another episode of Morning Murders. <laughs> yes. Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources. Okay, guys, don't worry. We got Nicola high chair. We can start the episode. <laughs> Fuck, that's what you're getting for Christmas. A I'm just going to get you a legit high chair. I'm going to rhinestone the fuck out yes. of it. You better. You better. It's like my director's chair. That's a high chair. Yeah. I love languages. Leave me alone. Aw. <laughs> no. That's not one of the languages. That's a lie. That's, that's a, a damn lie. languages. Leave me. I think it's... Cave. <laughs> leave me behind. Let me rot. <laughs> The, it's the tasty sounds afterwards. Mmm, <laughs> mm, rotting. Ooh, rotting. Yum, 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 yum. Son of a bitch. It's my better now. Give me a drink. That's the song. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Nathaniel Rateless. Oh, you're right. That is a lyric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Some> <laughs> country song? Yeah, somebody somewhere. somewhere. Train somebody. What? My truck. My dog. Betrayal. <laughs> Country song. Perfect. Yes. I think I'm ready to you hear ready? about murder. Hear about some more murder? I think I'm ready for some murder. 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 Mama murder. 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 Mama murder. Murdered. Mama. There's no mama murder in this one. <coughs> mama murder. Here I go again. <laughs> Mama. Nice. Amanda. 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 I said that you went no <laughs> I do what I want oh don't tell me what to do don't tell me what to do national expedit expedit mm. uh obstruct <laughs> about Severin Severin Clifford during his multiple run-ins with prison he was mm-mm. Sandra Wolfenstein Wolfensteiner mm-mm. Jody Cosma Cosma Jody Co- Judy Jody, Judy, it's with you. Judy Kozma, Co- uh, uh, Quimish, Quamish, Squamish. Can I see it? <laughs> yes, it's a Canadian place. Squamish, Squamish. He would provoke. Uh, he would provoke controversy in the murder. <laughs> what am I saying? He died in October two thousand one. Nope. He died in October. Tw- <laughs> okay. 
damn it. While he was out on the streets, he was, uh, while he was out on the streets, nope. While he was out on the streets, he was what was called a pigeon. What was called a police stool pigeon. <laughs> Let me try that again. While he, I know. <laughs> while he was out on the streets, he was, uh, <laughs> While he... <laughs> I'm too caffeinated. Ah, 